Good morning. In today's headlines is one of the most lethal road accidents in recent Canadian history. A tragic highway crash in Manitoba kills at least 15 people and injures 10 others. We'll share what's known so far about the deadly collision. A tornado in Texas decimates a small town and kills three residents. Local officials estimate up to 100 people were injured. We have the details. An anti-government extremist group, that's what Southern Poverty Law Center recently branded parental rights group Moms for Liberty. Entity reached out to the group's co-founder to hear her thoughts. Celebrating Father's Day doesn't have to be expensive. We bring some tips and way to show your love and appreciation while spending wisely. And does your father deserve some extra recognition? Ganjing World is holding its first Father's Day photo awards, so get your best dad moments ready. You could win a nice prize. Good morning. Welcome to NCD. I'm Kevin Hogan. Good morning, everyone. I'm Evelyn Lee. Today is Friday, finally, June 16th. That's right. Yeah, and happy early Father's Day to all you dads out there. Ditto. This weekend will be a great time to honor fathers for all they do for the families. Yes, and we have some feature stories on that coming up later, so stay tuned. That's right, but unfortunately right now, we are starting off with some tragic news out of Canada. A deadly highway crash in Manitoba yesterday killed at least 15 people. It's one of the most lethal road accidents in recent Canadian history. Police say a semi-trailer truck hit a small bus near the town of Carberry. That's about 100 miles west of Winnipeg. The bus was carrying about 25 people on their way to a casino. Most of them were elderly. That's according to a spokesperson from the casino. Ten other people were taken to the hospital. Video footage from the scene shows a vehicle smoldering in a ditch near a transport truck with a smashed engine. The road was littered with debris, broken glass, and a large bumper. Wheelchairs and crumpled walkers lay beside tarps covering bodies. Police say the drivers of both vehicles are alive and being treated in the hospital. They declined to say who might have been at fault. Here's what local police had to say about the investigation into the crash. Major Crime Services was deployed and established an investigative structure which we refer to as Major Case Management, which is specially designed to manage large, complex investigations. Additionally, the Manitoba RCMP has also deployed specialists in forensic collision reconstruction, forensic identification section experts, and we are working closely with other experts throughout the province, such as the medical examiner's office. They are all on scene as we speak. The crash brought back memories for some of a bus crash in the neighboring province of Saskatchewan back in 2018. It killed 16 people from the Humboldt Broncos minor league hockey team. Yes, and the police superintendent actually brought up the similarities between the collisions in the press conference yesterday. He says they've linked with investigators from Saskatchewan with first-hand experience. They're helping with the investigation in any way that they can. Our hearts go out to the victims and their families. And we have, unfortunately, more bad news out of Texas this time. A devastating tornado ripped through the panhandle town of Periton yesterday. At least three people were killed. The exact number of those injured has not been confirmed, but local officials say it could be between 75 and 100 people. 
Perryton has a population of about 8,000 people. It's close to the Oklahoma state line, about 100 miles northeast of Amarillo. Images from the ground show a large portion of the town left in rubble. Emergency crews searched for survivors last night. The town's fire chief says a mobile home park took a direct hit and that around 30 trailers were damaged or destroyed. At least 10 tornadoes were reported across the U.S. this week from Texas to Georgia. Storms knocked out electricity for close to 50,000 customers in Texas and Oklahoma yesterday. Texas Governor Greg Abbott signed a bill into law yesterday. It bans transgender athletes from competing on some college sports teams. The bill is known as the Save Women's Sports Act. Here's what the Texas governor said about it yesterday. Women's sports are being threatened. Some women are being forced to play against biological men. Women's college athletic teams are being threatened. Collegiate records that women set are being threatened. Women's sports, women's records, women's teams, women's dressing rooms, all are jeopardized when men are allowed to compete for those teams, for those titles. The law requires athletes to play on the team that corresponds with their gender at birth, regardless of their gender identity. It also gives whistleblowers who report violations protection and allows for civil lawsuits against colleges and universities over suspected violations of the law. Abbott says the bill expands similar restrictions that he signed into law two years ago, applying to sports and public schools. The Southern Poverty Law Center recently put the parental rights organization Moms for Liberty on its map of hate groups. Entity's Daniel Monahan reached out to group co-founder Tiffany Justice to get her reaction. One of the criticisms levied at Moms for Liberty is that they support banning books in schools. Curating the content of a children's library is not banning books. And we're talking about a public school library where children don't have unfettered access to the internet. Uh, they can't just watch whatever movie they want, right? Whatever, listen to whatever music they want, uh, but somehow the books get a free pass. And, you know, if you've taken a second to see what's inside of some of these books, um, you know, I challenged the President of the United States to read those books to children on the lawn of the White House. One of the books targeted by parental rights groups is Lawn Boy, which graphically describes sexual acts between 10-year-old children. Another criticism is that the group opposes the discussion of LGBT identities. We have, uh, we have chapter chairs who are gay. We have members who have gay children. Uh, this isn't about sexual orientation. This is about protecting the innocence of kids. Uh, the least interesting thing about an elementary school student should be their sexual orientation. Um, we need to stop uh, pushing adult stuff down on kids and we need to stop treating adults like children. Uh, and we would be uh, a lot better off in this country. Gender ideology has no place in American public education. The former school board member is calling out what she says is a failing public education system and believes it's time to get back to the basics. She points to recent national progress scores showing some reading scores the lowest since 1998 and math scores the lowest since 2003. We're spending a lot of money but are we spending money for what kids really need or are we funding what adults want? And unfortunately, the teachers union and others really focus on adult wants, not kids needs. We'd like them to be more honest about that. Our target is to make sure kids are reading. That's it. 
you know, let's make sure kids are reading. You know, if we did nothing else in K through three, let's ensure that children learn how to read. Justice as Moms for Liberty is helping parents stand up for their rights. Our target is on fighting for the survival of America by defending parental rights. We have fundamental parental rights. If the government thinks that they know better than us for our children or somehow the state should control the children, that's unacceptable. And, that, and there is no future uh, for America on that path. The move to tag the extremist label on Moms for Liberty drew sharp rebukes from lawmakers. Republican presidential candidate Tim Scott said the group should be proud of the work they do for families and kids. Daniel Monahan, NTD News. Now let's look at some short headlines from around the world. A federal grand jury has indicted Airman Jack Teixeira. He stands accused of leaking top-secret military intelligence records online. Teixeira faces six counts of willful retention and transmission of classified information relating to national defense. Each charge carries a sentence of up to 10 years in prison. An American soldier pleaded guilty this week of, to terrorism charges. He allegedly attempted to help ISIS attack and kill U.S. soldiers in the Middle East. Cole Bridges joined the Army in 2019. In 2020, he began communicating with a covert FBI agent posing as an ISIS supporter. Attempting to murder U.S. military service members carries a maximum sentence of 20 years in prison. A New York prosecutor confirmed yesterday she closed a two-year investigation into the tax affairs of former President Trump's National Golf Club. No charges were filed against Trump or his company, the Trump Organization. District Attorney Miriam Rocha, a Democrat, began the investigation in 2021. Trump has described this and other investigations against him as partisan witch hunts. The Department of Justice will release findings of a two-year investigation into the Minneapolis Police Department later today. The death of George Floyd under the knee of Derek Chauvin prompted the inquiry. The investigation concerns whether police engaged in a pattern of unlawful policing. Such investigations typically look at use of force and possibly discriminatory practices. Former New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio was ordered Thursday to pay nearly half a million dollars by a city ethics board. The hefty fine is for misused public funds on police security detail during his failed presidential bid. De Blasio will have to reimburse the city for money spent on officers' flights, hotels, meals and rental cars. An attorney for de Blasio calls the ruling reckless and arbitrary. And coming up, we hear from a Ukrainian sniper who's been at the front line against Russian forces near Zaporizhia. And autism is getting more common, but can mothers prevent their child from having autism? We hear from an expert after the break, so stay with us. Welcome back. Autism is becoming more common in today's world. In a new report, the CDC found that one in 36 kids have autism. That's a jump from 2006 when it was just one in 110 children. But I spoke to an expert who says there are ways to minimize the risk. Joining me now is autism expert Dr. Doreen Grandpache. It's good to have you. Thank you very much. Lovely to be here. Yeah, so um, to start with, Doctor, why do you think are we seeing such a spike right now in autism cases? Yeah, it's increased tremendously. Just this year we had the new prevalence of 1 in 36 announced by the CDC. Um, the general belief is that 
this is associated with the increase in toxins in our environment. So uh, the genetic part of autism is, is what's called low redox. So children with autism tend to not detoxify fast enough. And so when they're exposed to the same toxins we are, they just don't detoxify. And having an overload of toxins can influence your brain development and your sensory input and, and then lead to symptoms that we call autism. Mm -hmm. now, can you give some examples? What kind of toxins in the environment are we talking about here? Primarily, we're talking about the pesticides in our food. Um, you know, over the last couple of decades, almost all of our food in the U.S. has some form of pesticide on it. So it becomes really important for these children to uh, be on organic diets, so they're avoiding as much of this as possible as they're young, when they're very young. Now, that's interesting because it sounds like that's something that you can avoid then during yes. pregnancy or even after pregnancy. So what, what, what adjustments should moms make in that case? That's right. So, and, and as you said, we don't know if the exposure to these uh, pesticides, for instance, is in utero or after birth. So it is very important for moms uh, who are pregnant to be uh, eating an organic diet, trying to avoid pesticides, food colorings, additives, those types of things. So that they are very, very healthy. So when you say in utero, you mean um, it's not clear whether it's during pregnancy or after pregnancy, right? Correct. So we don't know, uh, or is there any indication as of when's the most sensitive time for those children? That's a terrific question. So the belief is that the closer, you, if the child is exposed to toxins at a very, very early stage of development, so in utero, it can harm their brain development more. Because by the time you're born, there's a certain amount of development that has already occurred. So if you're exposed to toxins after birth, it's going to be less severe than if you were exposed when your brain was just developing. Oh, interesting. Now, um, I read that there is this new law, in New York City at least, that the NYPD now needs to get trained on mm -hmm. recognizing those individuals that do have autism. Why do you think that's important? That's a, a wonderful thing that's happening in New York, and I think it should actually happen everywhere because, you know, adults with autism or teens with autism may not understand certain things that are very important when you're interacting with the police, and that could put them in jeopardy. For example, uh, a police officer might say, stop, put, raise your hands, and the person won't know what that means, and they might continue to run. And that would obviously endanger their life. So it's important for the police to know that interaction with an autistic individual has to be a little bit different. In fact, we also train uh, firefighters because there have been incidences where a firefighter will go into a house and try to call someone to help them out, and the, the individual gets frightened and actually goes and hides. And so their life is threatened that way. So yeah, first responders all need the training and it's really helpful that they're getting it here. Mm, that's very interesting. I think uh, because it's so prevalent in the US right now, it's very important to know as well. So thank you so much for your time today. Thank you so much, it was a pleasure. Moving on from that very important note on public health to Ukraine, where as fighting continues, we hear from a sniper who gives us a glimpse of what it's like at the front line. This sniper says his unit is under constant missile attacks at Zaporizhia's southeastern front line. He said it was a miracle that he's still alive, 
as he joined snipers training on Thursday at an undisclosed location near Zaporizhia. Where we were fighting before and recently left, one does not live long. Everything depends only on your luck. You can find yourself anywhere at any time. Even here, where we live in the villages, enemy aircraft are constantly dropping heavy missiles on us. He says the house's unit is in has a basement, but it only provides limited protection from shelling. A rocket hit 150 yards away from me five days ago. It tore our car to shreds. There was a crater like that. What's 150 yards to a rocket shot from a long distance? He says to be a sniper, one needs to have patience and endurance. You come, lie down somewhere in the forest, stretch, lie down and watch for days. That is, you do not move at all. Wildlife crawls all over you. They bite you. They gnaw at you. You can't move. It's very intense. The instructor, with combat name Chechen, says being a sniper is different from other roles in the military. We're different from other soldiers in that we don't hurry anywhere. We don't do any quick movements. We're slow. Chechen says that sniper training usually takes at least two to three months. The Ukrainian military says it had regained control of nearly 40 square miles of territory in a counteroffensive against Russian forces. According to officials, Ukraine's forces had advanced on key sectors of the front line. Kostemenes, NTD News. Coming up, we visit a long-running street fair in Pennsylvania. The Jubilee Day Fair brings people together for fun, food and traditional activities. Stay tuned for that after the break. Good to have you back with us. we got a fun story for you. The town of Mechanicsburg in central Pennsylvania is home to the largest one-day fair on the East Coast. The annual Jubilee Day Street Fair drew tens of thousands of people this year. Mechanicsburg hosted the 93rd edition of the annual Jubilee Day Street Fair on Thursday. The Mechanicsburg Chamber of Commerce says it's the longest-running one-day street fair on the East Coast. Well, the purpose of the event is one community uh, it's part of it is you know, people getting together, but it's also economic too. It helps uh, push the economy of the area, at least for that one day, through um, sales from today, and then of course sales tomorrow, next week, next month. Businesses promote themselves. This has become tradition. And of course, the central Pennsylvania area is rooted in tradition. So it's one of those things that we always wanna you know, keep something going, especially something that's good like this. The event features roughly 300 vendors both locally and from outside the area. They offer food, games, arts and crafts, business information, retail products, carnival rides and more. Attendees shared their thoughts about the fair with NTD. I think Mechanicsburg is a great place to host this because the people around the Mechanicsburg and Harrisburg and all the, the families that come here, I mean, it's all about making friends and getting good food and just having a good time. I hope my kids come with their kids and I'm an old man and still come here to this festival. The food, definitely the food and all the free stuff that has been given away. Like we're walking out with bags of free stuff that definitely my son's gonna enjoy. I think it brings families closer because there's different stands that actually have you do together something like an activity together with your kids. One of the booths participating in the fair features Falun Gong, also known as Falun Dafa. It's a spiritual meditation practice originating in China based on the principles of truthfulness, compassion and forbearance. We're also here today to raise awareness about 
the persecution happening in China, including forced organ harvesting, um, and inform people about the evil of the Chinese Communist Party. I think it's very important for people to know what was going on in China. The practice has been facing a persecution campaign from the Chinese Communist regime since 1999, with millions of people harassed, imprisoned, tortured, and even murdered for their faith. Visitors at the fair say they are sad to learn about the persecution. She explained everything well, and she said, here's the petition, and I got the whole copy of the petition to show other people, because you got to bring it out, you know, you got to let other people know. I'm honestly very surprised by it, so I was very happy to sign their petition today. Roughly 70,000 people attend the street fair each year. The event is the primary fundraiser for the Mechanicsburg Chamber of Commerce, and proceeds from the fair help local commerce throughout the year. A, a retail industry group says Father's Day spending could break records this year. And if you're still shopping around for a gift, we have some valuable ideas to help you celebrate without breaking the bank. Here are three tips to help you save on this special occasion. <laughs> Showering Dad with love this Father's Day? You're not alone. Spending is expected to reach nearly $23 billion this year. The National Retail Federation says that would be an all-time high. It's predicting consumers will spend a record $196.23 on average. But celebrating Father's Day doesn't have to be expensive. There is no better time to spend your money wisely than on the men in your life that you love. Jessica Allen from the website Living Well Spending Less has some tips to help you save money while still expressing your love and appreciation for dad. Number one, be intentional. As you might expect, some of the most popular gifts this year are clothing, gift cards, and personal care items. But Alan says consider crafting a heartfelt personalized gift instead. It may be cheaper, and it's certainly more thoughtful than a store-bought item. Get really specific. Do you have a movie buff? Can you plan early to go see a summer blockbuster? Number two, ditch the restaurant and host a grilling session. Buy a cut of meat or veggie that he loves. Have it ready for a weekend celebration and a playlist of all of Dad's favorite songs. Just ask him, would you like to grill for us or would you like us to grill for you? You're going to save so much money when you plan and have that beautiful meal at home. Number three, plan a memorable experience. Take Dad on a hike, picnic, fishing trip, or any activity that he enjoys. For these men, love is spelled T-I-M-E. And so how can you carve out some time in your weekend to spend some quality time with the fathers in your life? And here's another tip, consider a group gift. Now that's a good idea because this way you can each contribute an amount that's reasonable to you and usually it will get you a more significant and meaningful gift, which makes the joy of giving bigger as well. Yes, and Evelyn, on that topic, it's the one day of every year to celebrate and honor the contribution that dads make in their children's lives. And today asked people around the U.S. what they thought about the important role that fathers play. Let's take a look. There's just so much like bad stuff in the world right now. So I feel like it's even more important to have like really positive role models and people who you can look up to and who can support you and be there through like all of the hard times. And I think it's even more important today than ever about these really tough conversations that people have to have with their children, especially with social media. I had other mentors that I saw as fathers, like uncles and others that that helped raise me to be the man that I am. They're um, protector of the family. Being a father, there is no, there is no greater love. Provides a lot of advice. 
that maybe I can't. A single mother household, no matter how much love she has in her heart, sometimes the mom can't discipline as much as the father can being there. It's pretty important to have both, you know, mother and father because they have different roles. It gives uh, the children an image of uh, how to grow up and be useful and important and to bring uh, forth a new family when they get older. I think he is the backbone of the whole family. Uh, fathers is, in my own personal opinion, the most, the nuclear source of the, of the home at, at the end of the day. My dad, especially growing up, was very strong and just a patient man. Um, so I was very glad to have him in, in my life when I was growing up. The, the root of the family, he's the strength, he's the safety net, he's the protection, he's the protector. And so always having that that figure around just makes you that much more safe, I feel like. Especially as a girl, like your dad is your first love, so you look to him for so many things, like how you want to be treated. Um, and on that topic, Ganjing World is hosting its first Father's Day Photo Awards. The winner will, will receive a grand prize of $1,000. Participants may upload an unlimited number of photo entries until the end of June. It could be their best dad moment, father and me photos, or photography to show their love for a special father. The name Ganjing World comes from Chinese, meaning clean world. The information portal was founded by Chinese dissidents who fled communist China. It is a new form of clean social media with the goal of creating a digital town square that is family friendly. Well, family friendly and I guess kids friendly especially, that's a pretty great idea. Yeah, and me friendly too. I even saw a woman <laughs> cooking uh, old fashioned pancakes over an open fire. And that reminded you of your good old days? Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, back when I was cooking on the cook stove at the oh, homestead. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I got to check that out. That's all for today's program. We'd love to hear from you at goodmorning at ntd.com. That's our email address. If you would like to share some feedback, that's it for today. Thanks for watching. I'm Evelyn Lee. And I'm Kevin Hogan.